Jesus is often identified as the master teacher, and he was that for sure. And many of the most memorable lessons that Jesus taught, he taught in the form of stories. We call them parables, of course, but they were stories. They were stories with a great moral lesson. Storytelling is a great talent. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a storytelling festival or storytelling contest of some sort or another. Before our Mule Day got canceled the last couple of years because of the COVID virus, one of the annual features was a storytelling competition. Well, those stories typically are usually humorous or comical in one way or another. Jesus's were not. But Jesus could have won any storytelling competition that there ever was. He was a master teacher and a master storyteller. We call his stories parables. We want to talk about one of the most familiar, one of the best known of the stories that Jesus told tonight. And that is the parable of the prodigal son. I want you to turn with me to that parable. And we're going to do something we don't typically do. We're going to do a longer reader. That's a rather longer parable. But I want to take just a minute to read it. You know it well, but let's read it together in Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. Luke 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falleth to me. And he divided into them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the father said to him, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field and he came and drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I know that's a familiar reading for most of us, but it is a powerful one. And there are great life lessons in this parable of the prodigal son. Great life lessons for this life and also, of course, pertinent to eternity. 
The parable speaks of sin and its awful consequences, but it also speaks of love and compassion and forgiveness. Often when we study the parable of the prodigal son, we focus our lessons on lessons that young people can learn, what they can learn from the prodigal himself. But tonight we want to do a little bit different approach to this parable. Tonight what we want to do is look at some lessons that parents can learn from the prodigal son. And so for all of us who are parents, I hope that there are some lessons that we can take away from this famous story that will help us. I haven't stopped yet to say thank you for being here. At the end of a beautiful, gorgeous Lord's Day in Middle Tennessee, we have this chance to come together again. I'll just simply say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your participation and for the encouragement you give us all. Thanks for being here tonight. What can we learn from the prodigal son? Well, first of all, let's say this. You have to believe that in this story, and of course it was a story, we don't believe it was real characters, but ones that Jesus constructed in the course of telling this story, but you have to believe that a a son, a prodigal like this one, would not make his decision to, as the text says, waste his substance on riotous living. He wouldn't do that in a single moment. The fact of the matter is, evil influences must surely have worked on him over a period of time. And what that tells us is, as parents, we need to be aware of the influences that work on our children. As we said in our lesson this morning, a person like this typically would dwell on the thought of sin and engaging in sin, contemplate it, think about it, ponder about it for quite a long time before ultimately acting upon it. And so if this character in the, in the parable was like people are in reality, he wouldn't have just instantly made up his mind to go off and live a riotous life. Instead, he would have thought about it for a time. Their evil influences would have been planting those suggestions in his mind. We as parents need to be aware that those kinds of evil influences are certainly prevalent in the world today. We talk about them a lot, but we just cannot overemphasize the danger of the evil influences that confront our children, our our very young children, certainly our teenage children, even uh, those who are even older than that, are under lots of evil influences in the wicked world that we live in. We talk about companions and about the, the evil influence of companions who are not godly people. The the expression we use most often is peer pressure. And there's a great danger to peer pressure. As parents, we need to be careful about the companions that our children are with because they can certainly influence them for evil. The famous verse there, as you know well, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, evil companions corrupt good morals. That's just always been true, and it is still true. Of course, as we point out so often, and as we mentioned even in our lesson this morning, the media, the media is such a danger in our modern world, uh, and, and the media is just constantly trying to influence our children, and not for good, but for bad. In Proverbs chapter 23, at verse 7, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's true of all of us. But it's true of our kids, especially. The things they think about are the things that they will ultimately act upon. What you think on your heart 
What you think on in your heart, you ultimately do in your life. And so controlling the thought process is important. i got to tell you, parents, our kids don't often have the self-discipline to be able to regulate that. Not yet. We're working on that. We hope they'll get to the point where they can regulate themselves. But we need to be eyes in the back of our heads 24-7 about what they're watching, what they're, what they're looking at on, on the Internet. Uh, what what movies uh, that they're watching and so forth. We need to be aware of what influences the media is having on our children. In Luke chapter 6, uh, look at verse 45. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of the heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for out of the uh, for of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh, and so whatever is in your heart, whatever is abundantly in your heart, will lead to action. So beware, beware of these evil influences. In this story of the prodigal son, you have to believe that if you knew if Jesus had fleshed out this story more thoroughly, you would have to believe that this prodigal son had been trending in that direction for some time. And forces were pushing him in that direction. And perhaps, we'll talk about this in a minute, perhaps if the father had been more perceptive about that, this could have been avoided. One of the great dangers is that we do not instill in our children a significant spiritual emphasis. If we, if we don't train and teach our children to be deeply spiritually devoted people... That's going to be a problem. We live in an age where kids are being raised with no rules, no rules parenting. If if you raise kids with no rules, then they're going to grow up to be adults who don't have the skills to discipline themselves. And so, for parents, learn from this prodigal son and know that you need to be aware and, and very perceptive, way ahead of time, about what trends what is trending in your child's life which direction are they heading what influences are working on them don't just leave that unattended don't just hope for the best work at making sure they are under the right influences and not the wrong ones secondly let me suggest to you that kids can go bad even in good homes i mean that just sometimes happens we all have known good families and children who did not turn out well. Good families, bad kids. That happens. Why does that happen? Well, sometimes it's just hard to know for sure. Now, understand we're saying good families with bad kids is kind of a hard thing to comprehend. On the other hand, it, sometimes when, when you see parents who are really failing, who are not doing their job well at all, you're... You're not surprised when the kids don't turn out well because you saw that the parents weren't doing their job well. That's, that's, that's an easy thing to track. What is harder is when you see good parents who seem to have been doing the right things and yet their kids don't turn out well. But that happens. We know that that happens. Uh, we have to acknowledge that our kids are ultimately free moral agents. They will ultimately make their own decisions as well. But if it happens... As we say here on the chart, if it happens, let it happen only after we have done everything we can to, to make them God-fearing people. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 5, we're told that we're to provide for our own. You remember this statement in 1 Timothy chapter 5 at verse 8? It says, if any provide not for his own, especially those for his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, contextually there, Paul was talking about physical support and help. Uh, that, that, you know, a parent who won't provide for the physical necessities of a child, he says, has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So if a kid was going out, going without food and clothes, We'd say that parent has badly failed. His child hasn't provided for him. If any provide not for his own, he has denied the faith is worse than an infidel. But I want to suggest to you that the, the most important part of providing for our children uh, is spiritual training. And, and so I think th- there's an application of this idea. If you don't provide for your own, you have denied the faith is worse than an infidel. I would, I would say that that has fitting application to a parent who doesn't take the time to work with their kids, to teach them the important values that are set forth in the Word of God. We need to be doing all that we can. That includes the un- unpleasant part of parenting, which is discipline. You know, it, it's, not, it's not a pleasant thing to have to discipline our kids, whether they're young or older. It's not a pleasant thing to have to discipline them, discipline them. But if we love them, we will. In Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 6, it speaks of God. And it says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Notice, the Lord, the, those that the Lord loves, he chastens or disciplines. Uh, that's true of physical parents in the world today as well. If you love your children, you must do the job of disciplining them, even though it is not the pleasant part of parenting. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, famously says, He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him will uh, chasteneth him betimes. The word chasten there in newer versions would be discipline. Uh, if, if you don't discipline, you're not showing that you really love your children as you should. So, even in the best of circumstances, kids can go bad. Even from good homes, there can be children who go bad. I want to tell you, the, let it only happen when we have done absolutely everything that we can do to prevent it. Here's another takeaway from the parable of the prodigal son that parents, I hope, can learn from. And that is that bad kids can turn back to righteousness. Uh, and so our point here is that when we instill good morals and high values in our children, even if at some point in the future they may turn away from that, hopefully what we've planted in their heart will turn them and bring them back. I want you to think about the prodigal son again uh, more specifically Go back to that text in Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, you remember the statement there is that in verse 13, that he wasted his substance with riotous living. Riotous living is a pretty broad description of, no doubt, some pretty bad immoral acts that this prodigal son was engaged in. His brother said... Skip down to verse 30. 
his brother said uh, that he had devoured his father's living with harlots. And there's no reason to doubt that that probably wasn't the case. Riotous living and harlots. Uh, this kid had gotten about as far gone as you can get. He had sunk about as low as you could go. But notice in verse 17. In verse 17 it says, When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? He came to himself. Well, how would he come to himself? I would argue that that had to have been from some of that earlier training that had been instilled in him. That that he had learned uh, things in his youth that came back to him when he reached the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, when he was at the very depths. uh, He had sunken as far as you can go, and he came to himself. And so I would suggest to you that uh, there's value. There's certainly always value in instilling good morals and high values in our kids. Hopefully they live up to them. But even in a case like the story of the prodigal son, if a child should turn away, there's the prayerful hope that what they know and what was taught to them earlier on might bring them back. But it doesn't always happen. We know it doesn't always happen. But at least there's a chance there that is worth pursuing. And in the case of the story that Jesus told about the prodigal son, that is seemingly what happened. Here's another point. Some kids who stay home aren't so good either. You know, here I'm talking about the elder brother who stayed at home, but he wasn't a good person, uh, that is for sure. He didn't disobey the rules. Well, at least he said that he had not. He said in verse uh, 29, Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. That's a little hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, This is a story. It's, It's not real life. But, but you'd have to think that if this was a real life story, that guy is way overstating his case. That he had never transgressed a single instruction that his father gave. That's pretty hard to believe. But he, he was, and I think this is the, Jesus intends the story to be taken this way. He was a fella who was going through the motions. He, and he was not overtly disobedient, but his problem was his heart. His heart wasn't right. And so what we realize is that we need to be making sure our children's hearts are right. Yes, we want them to do the right things, but we want them to do them from a true and honest heart. Just looking good on the outside is not enough. It's not enough for us as parents. It's not enough for our kids either. Uh, Just showing up for church services, but not having true heart involvement in serving God, that's not good enough. Just being close to people who are good, just living in a good environment, that doesn't make you good necessarily. This elder brother, it seems like, was in a good environment. He was around good people, but he wasn't a good person himself. And so I believe that the lesson parents need is... Look to the heart of your children. Not necessarily just a child who's gone off into disobedient, riotous living. Look at the hearts of all of our kids. Make sure their hearts are tender and and that they have a, a deep devotion and commitment to God. Make sure the heart is right. Because in the case of the elder brother, 
it was not. And then I think finally, I would stress to parents that a, a big lesson to learn from this famous parable of the prodigal son is you just never give up. Never give up hoping and praying and, and seeking to have your children restored to righteousness. Now, before we talk about that in the positive sense, I, I want to stress what I think are some important things about what the father of the prodigal son did not do. Now, get this. He, he didn't give up. He didn't give up hope for his prodigal son. But there were some things that he didn't do in the story. And I, I believe it would be, uh, these concepts would be supported all throughout Scripture. The father of the prodigal son apparently no, made no effort to justify his son's actions or to excuse them. Uh, again, it's just a story. It's, it's not a real life event. It's a parable. But understand uh, that this often happens with parents. Well, my, my child is not doing so well, but... And then, the, and then the parent begins to offer every kind of justification and excuse for why the child has gone the way they have gone. The father of the prodigal son did not do that. It certainly appears in the parable that the, the normal family relationships here were severed. Uh, the, the father and son were alienated. The father did not seek to sustain normal family relationship with a son who's out here living an immoral life. It certainly appears in the story that those relationships were broken off. I'm concerned when I see parents, Christians, whose children are living horrible, sinful lives, and yet the parents continue to have normal family relationships with the kids who are not living for God. The father of the prodigal son did not do that. We should not do that. Furthermore, the father of the prodigal son did not bail out his son when his son got in real trouble. I'll tell you, uh, uh, Jesus' picture of the prodigal son is really graphic. He's feeding swine. Uh, no doubt Jesus picked swine because the Jews detested swine. And the, the, here's this kid, and he's at, he's at the lowest low point that you can reach. He's feeding swine, and he's wishing he could eat the food that he's assigned to feed to them. That's how bad it got. Now, again, we don't know all the details. Jesus didn't intentionally didn't provide all the details. But it'd be easy enough to imagine that a father would be able to figure out where his son was and what kind of shape he was in. And maybe when he knew that his son was in this terrible situation, rushed to him to bail him out, uh, give him some money, help him deal with the dilemma that he's in. He didn't do that. The father of the prodigal son did not do that. And i tell you one other thing he didn't do. He did not uh, forgive him. He did not restore him until the son repented. Uh, uh, he, he was ready to, but, but he, he took no action toward his son until his son came to himself and sought the forgiveness of the father. And so there's a lot of things that the father, the prodigal son, didn't do but I tell you one thing that he did do is he never gave up. He continued to maintain hope. He kept looking and seeking for his son to come home. Notice there in verse 20, in Luke 15, verse 20. And uh, it says, When he was yet a great way off, 
his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Wonder how the father would have been in a spot to be able to see the prodigal son while he was still a long way off. I think the story is constructed in such a fashion to leave us with the impression that the father was always watching, always looking, always hoping that maybe his son would step over the horizon down the road where he could see him coming. And that's the way parents ought to be. Parents ought to never give up. They ought to constantly be looking and hoping. If a child has gone astray, never give up hope, never give up effort to try and restore them to a right standing with God. Of course, I believe ultimately that the story of the parable, parable the story and parable of the prodigal son is really intended to depict God himself. God wants to forgive us. God wants us to come home. God wants to forgive us. God never gives up on us in that sense. And so God is the perfect heavenly father and we can certainly learn from him. So just some thoughts about a parable, a story, if you will, that Jesus told. Again, we don't want to be guilty of reading too much between the lines, but I do believe that there's some real valuable lessons that parents can learn concerning how to deal with children, and even particularly children who might go astray. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. I hope it's helpful. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing this song, we'll, we'll be asking everyone, think about your life, your relationship with God, make sure it's right. If you need our help in making it right, let us know. If that is to assist you in obeying the gospel plan of salvation, or if that is to pray with you, if you need to be restored as a, as a fallen Christian. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.